Hello, and welcome to another episode of Savvy Citizen. I'm Elizabeth McGee, here with Adam Gobb, and today we're taking a look at Gaston County's recycling program. We've got Nan Curlin and Marcy Smith on the program to give us an insider's perspective on recycling markets and what you can do to conserve resources here in Gaston County. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Savvy Citizen. Um, this is Elizabeth McGee here with Adam Gobb, and we are speaking with Marcy Smith, the Solid Waste and Recycling Administrator, as well as Nan Curlin, the Recycling Coordinator. Um, and they're here to tell us some things about recycling in Gaston County. So welcome, guys. Thanks. Glad to be here. We've had Marcy on the show before, and so I, I really do promise not to tell any sort of trash jokes. I won't recycle <laughs> any of those from the last time you were here. Oh, wow. Sure, wow. Use them. Throw Just, them out. <clears throat> dive Double right, right yeah. into yeah. the puns there, Adam. Yeah. No, it's 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 that season. And for me, the season is all seasons. So uh, there's never a bad season for puns. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, why don't we start off with some introductions, since it is, have, has been a little bit of time since Marcy's been on the podcast. And, and Nan, this is your first time joining us, right? It is first time joiner. Yay. All right. So what does a recycling coordinator do? Um, basically, my job is to continue the recycling programs throughout Gaston County. So we have, um, right now we have six recycling seven. centers. Seven. Seven. Seven, seven recycling centers. Um, we just added Duke Street in Gastonia. And so the other six are out in the county, except for Farmer's Market, which is in the middle of Gastonia. We also have the yard waste facility. Well, I mean, I think we had Marcy in not long after the city of Gastonia did away with curbside recycling. But I I would imagine that it's been even busier than it was prior to that, just because there's a lot of recycling that has to go somewhere and it's coming to you guys now, right? It is. And again, right around the same time we had COVID. So... COVID was a major driver of uh, the recycling program. People had not a whole lot of things to do because they were stuck at home. So all of a sudden we had an uptick in recycling. So it was awesome for us. So it's a habit. So if you get into the habit of recycling, it continues, which is great for, for our program. The other thing that the county has done forever is that there's a, a credit given towards the cost of your trash throwaway. So hmm. it's a pay-as-you-throw program. But it's it's offset by recycling. So, for the people who do choose to recycle, then you can pretty much get away with free trash disposal. So oh, that's wow. a a major incentive. Mm-hmm. I know I've heard that the markets for recycle recycled products is not the same as it once was. Can you talk a little bit about the history behind that and how that's played out here in Gaston County? Sure. So, recycling um, is on a roller coaster. And it depends on international markets. So um, right now, cardboard is doing great because it's the season for everybody to order Mm. everything from Amazon. Mm. Um, So lots of cardboard is recycled easily. Mm -hmm. And it goes back into cardboard. And and, and we're talking about other companies basically buying our recycling products right and and they they are buying our recycling products and doing the recycling are correct we're we yes, are not county. at the county necessarily like shredding cardboard and making that into correct yeah we we use other vendors for all of our products mm-hmm. um and cardboard is a major major uh source of income at this point and mm. you know major source means not like <laughs> thousands and yeah. thousands of dollars but it's certainly you know when when i started here in 2009 
there the the whole market bottomed out and there was nowhere to to sell your cardboard nobody wanted it we were landfilling some because wow. there was nowhere nobody wanted it yeah and then then you know a few years ago with um china shutting down and not taking any of our recycled products and the majority of that was because it was it was contaminated so oh. we were doing a really bad job as a country of sending them pretty much you know contaminated products so that means like sorting your recycling so taking out the number six from the number seven Correct. plastics and making sure your glasses aren't covered in pasta sauce not putting kind. in pizza boxes that are covered in grease <laughs> correct all that you know and again so since we could get away with it you know people go to the lowest common denominator if you're going to take it which is why city of gastonia went to um l- eliminating their curbside program because it was mm. costing them more money in cleaning up their their recycled materials than it was with their value so it was it was terrible but you know if you keep taking stuff from people they'll keep doing it yeah yeah, yeah it seems like a difficult situation because we've at this point spent decades messaging to people just recycle it recycle it and i feel like now we're kind of at a cultural point where recycling is pretty much accepted it's good for the environment it's good for you know our economy in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways um so that's it's kind of a difficult place to be as a landfill administrator and recycling coordinator you know what are the kind of messages about recycling that you are trying to promote nowadays well, we're, what we promote is clean recycling. You know, we have been so fortunate to avoid the single stream myth. Um, unless you can sort it yourself and have a system that cleans it, you're out of luck. So the county forever had individual, you know, source containers. So for when everything went to hell in a handbasket <laughs> with single stream, we were clean. So our stuff continued to be recycled. So talking about back in 2009? I'm talking about, you know, the current times. Wow, okay. Um, So we, in 2009, nobody was buying anything. Right. And it slowly creeped up and markets began to rebound. Mm -hmm. But the problem was, was that our stuff remained clean. We are fortunate enough to have um, staffed convenience sites. Mm -hmm. So I will tell you, my, my folks out there are ferocious if you put something in the wrong place they're going to let you know and and it's it's you know sometimes that's what it takes you're you're out there you're an educator and these people understand why they're doing this um and they're they're you know they're helpful to people who are handicapped they're they're great they're good pr um but they'll also let you know if you're doing something wrong because it's a reflection on on what that commodity is going to be worth to us and so as far as messaging, that's really what we're looking at now is, is trying to be honest with the citizens, with the residents, with our employees about where our material goes, what condition it has to be in for it to go to those outlets. And really, as a country, that was part of the issue with our messaging for the last 30 years. You know, we were just recycle, yeah. just recycle. And to your point, Elizabeth, people do just recycle now. We've got to be careful not to have um, wishful or hopeful recycling going into the bins because that will contaminate an entire load. And so it's 
there are things that folks say, well, this should be recyclable. Let me put that in there. Or <laughs> they should have an outlet for this. Well, now you've just contaminated that entire load, and it's it's not good for the recycling markets anymore. So we're we're really trying to, to clean up and streamline our messaging also so the residents understand we're, we look at lots of different options. We want to have outlets for lots of different items, um, but we also don't want to sell you a story and put those materials in the landfill. Like yeah. we, we want the end of this game to meet with our messaging on, on the front. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And uh, I always think about, you know, the phrase is reduce, reuse, recycle. Mm-hmm. Reduce is number one. Correct. Reuse is number two, and recycling is basically the third option, and yep. <laughs> and out of those three, and so so like, what are some of those things that maybe are the on the wishful recycling list that you see a lot? I think the the biggest thing is any other plastic other than what we we already recycle. Okay. So what we're recycling right now is anything that has a neck. The easiest way to determine a one or a two. There are also one and two plastics that don't have a neck. But when they go to the sorting systems, they will pull them out because it's too labor intensive to flip it over, look at that little triangle, and see if it's a one or two. So they just throw them away. Mm. So so I think, you know, everything that we're reading about plastic recycling, there's other methods. Um, there's a, a place over in either Finland or Norway that's doing a chemical recycling of really? plastic. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. And what it, it goes in through a process and it breaks down the plastic into little molecules and they can actually sort them back into their original um, materials. Wow. That's wild. Wild, but it's also small. Yeah. Finland and Norway, it's like the size of Delaware. Right. You know, so the, the, the product to scale is never going to happen here um, because it's too expensive. So they're you know, continue to look at stuff. The biggest thing right now they're looking in the plastic markets is to eliminate some of the types of plastic. If we don't have it to use, then we'll find an end market for that. So maybe the and we'll go back to you know styrofoam, polystyrene. That's the hardest thing in the world to get rid of, but it's so useful. Yeah, it's also an oil product. So when we're in this world of trying to prevent all the petroleum. To, being used in plastics, which is why people think you can recycle it because it could go back to petroleum, but it doesn't. Mm. What's another one? People wishfully throw it in the recycling bin. I don't know. Styrofoam has been yeah. has been the biggest one, and, and again, the the different types of plastics. Um, rigid plastics, uh-huh. so playgrounds for children, mm-hmm. things like that. We we have a lot of interest in that. Where you guys take our rigid plastics and. There, there's not an outlet for us in the state right now that can handle those. So that's not something that, that we currently handle. One of the other big asks for years was glass. Um, okay. that, was, that was one of the first markets that sort of went away uh, pre-2018. And um, as a testament to Nan and the work she's done for the last three years, we now have a vendor who is in the state of North Carolina when lots of other counties and municipalities were cutting off programs and limiting programs. She actually beefed up our program during oh. the pandemic. So nice. the reintroduction of the glass recycling, and that's been going wonderful. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, we're getting a lot of positive feedback from the community just mm-hmm. to have that outlet. So mm-hmm. that was that was a great addition back into the program. What about, I'm curious about this one, because uh, I live in Mecklenburg County, and I, I hear about this one all the time. People bagging their recycling in trash bags. And I know... In Mech, that's a county, or in Mech, that's a problem because 
of their single stream right. recycling sorters, it ruins their sorters. But we've never done that here in Gaston County, right? Well, we, we don't want the plastics, but we also have manned recycling facilities. Mm-hmm. So when you go into our convenience sites, there is a person who works there. And that's one of the first things they're going to tell you. Don't put that bag of plastic bottles yeah. in the plastic <laughs> bin. Yeah. You have to empty it from the bag. Um, yeah. But it is. We make sure. So we have meetings with our site attendants throughout the year. And we'll hit on topics like that. Make sure you're telling everybody no bags going in with the bins. Um, Because again, we use some of these MRF or material recovery facilities for processing our Mm. materials. And we don't want to get turned away from them either. You know, I mean, anything we can all do to help further that movement is better for all of us. And if we get one of the companies hung up dealing with some of this contamination, it, it doesn't serve any of us. Hey citizens, are you feeling savvy yet? If not, let's take a break and hear about some cool things happening in and around Gaston County. Want to know what's coming up in the month ahead? Check out our Looking Ahead videos, produced each month in both English and in Spanish. We feature key dates, events you'll want to mark your calendars for, and so much more. Watch them on demand on the Gaston County Government YouTube page. Find them in the Ion Gaston playlist. I feel like one of the things that like most people would have seen at this point, whether it's eating out or in stores, is is some of the changes that you've seen with straws, where there's some restaurants that are starting to go to the paper straws or like the plant-based straws <laughs> that are more biodegradable. Um, are regular plastic straws something that can be recycled or is that something that has to be thrown away? Because I know that there's been a lot of discussion about that. You go to aquariums, they talk about it all the time. So plastic straws are single use. Mm. So they are always thrown away. They don't break down. It's the same plastic that is out there for 500 years that you end up with the microplastics in the soil and the water. It contaminates the fish. Right. Same issue with the plastic bags. They're Mm. light. Same thing with the straws, uh, more likely to become litter if they're not handled properly, not thrown away properly. Um, so, yeah, bags and straws, yeah. definitely on our list to, to go away soon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you're at the grocery store, I mean, I guess the, the best way to go is to go with some of those, like the canvas bags or the reusable bags. But if you Correct. don't have those with you, are you better off going and asking for paper bags at the Absolutely. grocery store? Mm-hmm. Paper's always going to break down. It's, it's a natural product anyway. You know, you don't want to see it out as litter, but it also will break down. It, so if it ends up in the waste stream, then it will end up in the landfill. But because it's an organic material, it is going to break down. It's not going to hold up airspace perpetually in the landfill. So that's mm-hmm. that's not a, a worst use mm-hmm. that you can yeah. you can choose there. We've talked about this on the podcast before, but I want to back up a second just in case anyone's new. So when we're talking about airspace in the landfill, what is that, Marcy? That is our commodity. So that's what we sell. That's that's our product is this airspace. So the way that we protect that and make the most use of that resource is to be able to compact as much garbage as possible in the smallest amount of area as possible. So that's why we have the large machines out there that are compacting the trash as it's being dumped out. But that's also, we, we do different things operationally to try to conserve that airspace or to try to reclaim some of that airspace. So we do leachate recirculation, which re-injects um, liquid water, uh, air, and heat back into the system. So it helps promote the degradation of the waste, which again, 
recoup some of that airspace that we can refill with new trash. Um, and, you know, you can, you can foresee a future a couple of decades down the road where you could have perpetual landfills if, if you can manage each portion of the system in a, in a very tight manner. You, you could see how you could have that sort of facility. It's really interesting. I don't know if I've ever heard of the idea of a perpetual landfill before. Yeah. Is that something that you would be like, Is are we shooting for that at some point in the future? Or? Well, I, I mean, we've been shooting for it from the beginning. Okay. Because, again, we're, we're trying to conserve this airspace. Anything we can do to conserve the airspace. So immediately, what do we do? We pull out readily recyclable materials. We mm. make sure that they get pulled out. They're not wasting our airspace. Um, also yard waste, organic material that we can manage in any other way possible. We pull that out from the waste stream on the front end. Um, but realizing that more than half of the waste that goes in the landfill is organic. It's going to break down. So one of the byproducts of landfilling is producing methane gas. So it's greenhouse gas. It's not good for the atmosphere. Um, and historically, these have been allowed to just passively vent to the atmosphere. Um, we actually, at Gaston County Landfill, we have a gas collection and control system. So we have 116 wells that are all around the landfill. We're actively harvesting the gas off of our trash as it's being produced. And we're producing power with it across the street at the Renewable Energy Center. So that function, the, the adding of the additional liquids, the degradation of the waste happening quicker, the production of the gas, and then us harvesting the gas, all of that is working to conserve and reclaim airspace. So all of that is working toward that concept of a perpetual landfill. Well, and one of the things I was told to ask about is, it sounded like this was a fairly recent development, but that you're starting to sell some of that power to Dominion Energy. Or yeah. was it not Dominion? No, okay. we, we are we are selling our power to Duke Energy. Oh, it's Duke that's, Energy. That's where, okay. but there are other environmental attributes that are produced as a result of our, our power production. So gotcha. the, we are essentially getting rid of the methane, mm -hmm. right? So we're destroying the methane. There are credits that are produced because of that. So for every carbon equivalent ton of methane that we destroy, we produce a carbon credit that we then sell on the carbon market. We also have renewable energy credits that are produced for every kilowatt hour of energy we put on the grid from renewable energy. So we have both of those environmental attributes that we're able to sell alongside the power that we're okay. selling to Duke Energy. Um, but yes, we, we do have a contract, a three years future contract for carbon credits and one for the renewable energy credits that we should be signing this month. That's that amazing. Be, it will be huge for us. Um, we, we have a, a power purchase agreement with Duke we've had since 2011 when our Renewable Energy Center first opened, and we had to renew that this past year. Um, we didn't get as favorable terms for, <laughs> for some of the payments in there, and that is concerning because we're an enterprise fund, right? right? So we aren't subsidized by tax dollars. We, we make the money that we spend every year. Uh, and so anything we can do to diversify our portfolio, pull in revenue from other streams, it helps ensure that our programs move forward. Mm -hmm. so. so you talked about the the um, Renewable Energy Center being kind of set up that way. Is the Recycling Center, do you bring in funds to help kind of offset some of the cost of operation as well? We do. Um, we, we get um, revenue from our scrap metal. Okay. And we get revenue from the cardboard, any kind of cardboard, mixed paper, um, 
glass, which was it was a, a deal that they would only pay us if it offset the cost of transportation. Okay. And we're we're bringing in money, so and it's it's out past Wilson, so it's it's a haul for them to get the glass to Wilson. Wow. Yeah. So so that's just tremendous, and and I think we are we aren't breaking even because we're paying our our staff there. Sure. But we're very close. So as long as we can almost hold up our end of the deal, and again, I think this is a, a three-legged stool between what the landfill does to manage the trash, what the methane does, and, and the whole gas collection to manage the methane and make money, and the recycling to try and keep the stuff out of the landfill. It's, it's just a system that works so well together. And it, it always tickles me because one of the worst things that you can call – our system is a dump. <laughs> it's a four-letter word. Yep. And, um, we'll bleep that out for yeah. you. <laughs> Thank Ooh. you. But it's one of those things that you can't help but get on your little pedestal and give somebody a lesson on, mm. you know, this solid waste program that we have. And um, they'll, they'll hear it from all of us. Yeah. Don't, don't even use that word. And they know. And and. <laughs> They know that's a trigger word to <laughs> use uh, uh, around us because yeah. we're an integrated solid waste management system. Yeah. It might be very easy for me as a consumer to throw my trash away, but that doesn't mean that it's easy for you to deal with it. Right. right. <laughs> they're highly engineered facilities and yeah. systems, and they're all having to work together. And we also have to knock down the stereotype that this is uh, – hole dug in the ground at the end of the right. road where you just throw your trash and we cover it up. That's not at all the facility that we're managing, that we're, we're operating. And so we try to dispel that with as much information as we can. The other thing that we do is we do a has, household hazardous waste collection program. But one of the things that happened during COVID was that we cut back on those events just because nobody knew who was contaminating who. Yeah. But that led to a latex paint collection at the landfill. The latex paint is used in a process to um, with a posi shell, which is a material that's mixed with the latex paint and water, and they spray it over the open face of the landfill on a daily basis to seal that space. It keeps the smell down. It keeps the trash from blowing away. It keeps is the that, animals. Is out. that like required or no? Nope. So what's required is six inches of daily cover. So dirt, soil. Okay. okay. That's what's always been required. Um, Back in 2011, we did a demonstration project with DEQ, so the North Carolina Department of Environmental Quality, for an alternate daily cover. So mm-hmm. it's ADC in our world. And Posi Shell is one of those products. So it's it's almost like a fiberglass sort of product. Okay. You would get it in 50-pound bags, and we mix it in a hydroceder. So uh, we have a 1,000-gallon hydroceder that we normally do our landscaping where we're seeding around the landfill we mix it with 200 gallons of waste latex paint and the rest water. It turns into a slurry, and then we spray it on the garbage every day. And because of the material that's in there, it makes a crust. So it's it's hard on the top, but it's not six inches of dirt that's creating a barrier. It's mm. creating a barrier in between levels of garbage that no water, no air, no light can get down through, which hinders the degradation of the waste under there. So this 
actually takes less space because it's just a couple millimeters thick mm-hmm. when we spray it every day. When we run over it with compactors first thing in the morning, you crunch right through the crust so there's no hard barrier in between the layers. And then it allows rain, light, heat to percolate down through the landfill. So the organic materials can break down quicker Correct. than they would otherwise. Correct. And you're conserving your most valuable resource. Which right. is your airspace. Your airspace. <laughs> love it. Love it. Yeah. But, I, I love, I've heard about that before, and I think that is the coolest thing because we are early adopters of this technology. Correct. So yep. it's pretty cool to be on the cutting edge of, of technology like this here in Gaston. Yeah, it is. But the fun thing that happened was when COVID hit and people brought it out, we had all these new people who've never been to the landfill come out and kind of go, wow, I never knew this place existed. So all of a sudden, this created the next level of, of education. Yeah. So people come out and they say, well, what do you do with this stuff? Da, 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 da. Right. <laughs> We'd be happy to talk <laughs> yeah. to you about it. Yeah. And unfortunately, I do. Um, and and <laughs> they, they thought this was going to be a quick drop off, but yeah. no, you've got a 20 minute lesson. <laughs> so, but it, but they're, they're fascinated. And I mean, you talk about that and you can get into the well system and all of a sudden they're a little bit more educated and you hope that they're maybe sharing that with somebody. Right. So all good. It's a good way to, to educate people. So what other changes did y'all see in the recycling program or the landfill as a whole, as a result of the pandemic? The types of materials and the way those materials were brought to our facility. Huh. So we didn't really, overall numbers, have a surge in tonnage or a surge in recycling tonnage. But the way those materials came in, you didn't have as many uh, commercial businesses open mm. and operating. So you didn't have as many commercial vehicles bringing that waste in. So the bigger roll-off trucks, we didn't have as many of them. So you take a roll-off truck that can haul 10 tons and you blow that apart into about 15 different individual vehicles because Mm. we are still a wasteful society and we'll still produce trash whether we're at the office or at the house. So it was individual homeowners coming in. So one of the biggest impacts for us operationally was volume of vehicles. It was just lots of new vehicles coming in. But again... Nan made a great point because after we got over like the, there's so many vehicles trying to come in here. Then it was, it was a lot of folks who had never taken their trash off before. They've never had to take their trash off before. And it turned into such a wonderful opportunity for us to educate folks, for us to just answer questions, to talk about what it is we do, why we do it this way. Um, We had some disgruntled folks in the beginning, but again, those are opportunities too. You know, you're you're probably upset because you don't understand how our system works, and Mm -hmm. we'll take a minute to explain that to you. But um, that was that was the biggest biggest change, biggest challenge for us. And you know, the the public did take a a little bit of a turn with personalities there at the beginning, and that that took a little bit to. to get past but I I do think in general now we're we're all a little bit more accepting and patient because most of us were impacted some way or another yeah so it's a little compassion and understanding goes a long way yes it does yes it does does. (laughs) we've reached the point in the podcast where we're stopping to do a commercial but no it's not selling you something it's telling you something (laughs) 
Get ready to don your costumes, folks. The Gaston County Public Library Comic Con is back. The 6th Annual Gaston County Public Library Comic Con will be Saturday, June 3rd from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Main Library on East Garrison Boulevard in Gastonia. There will be vendors, games, food trucks, and more. It's free and open to the public. So I know this is the first time that we've had Nan on the podcast, but like if you pay attention at all in Gaston County, um, you may have read one of her columns in the Gazette, and you've been doing that for, for quite a while, right? 15 years. Wow. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. When, when um, Will McDonald first asked me to do that, and I was like, no problem. I mean, look at all the things I can talk about recycling. Mm-hmm. Glass, <laughs> plastic, cardboard. Mixed paper. <laughs> Fifteen <laughs> years later. Right. <laughs> and, but the, the, the best thing about that opportunity is that I can be current. Mm. Um, I, can, I can use that column to highlight what's going on in the county, um, what's current topics in recycling. Um, so it, it's, it affords that opportunity. And, and I happen to work with Keep Gastonia Beautiful. I'm on their board. And so when things are happening that are, you know, uh, that we do together, like shredding events, um, America Recycles Day, all that kind of stuff can be put out in the paper that way. And, of course, they've got an online presence. Yep. So that's that's very helpful. And I do get a lot of of comments from that. And the biggest one is, you don't look like your picture. <laughs> <laughs> and that's because it hasn't been updated in 15 years. <laughs> but it's pretty funny. Like, wow, you don't look like yourself. <laughs> The, um, the partnership with Keep Gastonia Beautiful, like how did that first come about? Is that something like you've been involved with from, from the beginning? or? Well, it, actually with a Keep Gastonia Beautiful, um, always had a representative from that was always the recycling coordinator okay. from the county. Correct. And so that's how that started. Um, there's a long history there. There is a long history there. We, we've been great partners with yeah. them up since before I came to the county. So this was a... A long-standing partnership before Nan or I, either one, came around, and it's we obviously have a lot of the same goals, a mm-hmm. lot of the same um, programs or types of programs. So we've been able to utilize resources that the other one has developed or or implemented, um, and it's also we partially fund the school recycling coordinator through Keep Gastonia Beautiful. Okay. So they can expand all of their programs into every county school. So making sure Louis the Litterbug or Twiggy or any of those programs, Michael Recycles, those are in every Gaston County school, not just the city of Gastonia schools. So Wow, that's awesome. It is. It is. We we do lots of tours with school kids. This is this is something Nan is looking forward to get back in, into because the pandemic changed that for us a lot as well. We we just didn't get the opportunity to do as many tours, but it is so nice, so rewarding to get the little kids in there to mm-hmm. see like I'm amazed at equipment and at the size of the facility and all the different things and then watch those same kids work through the middle school curriculum and come back out and see the different questions they're coming with. And then by the time they get to high school and we have the commissioner school come out for two weeks oh, in yeah. the summer. And it's like we can pick up on a message that not just our program's been around for, but Nan and I have been around for to see these kids from kindergarten mm. to now graduating senior. So it's it's rewarding. Yeah. It's fun. 
I think that's so special because, and this is one thing that I was struck with as an adult <laughs> who maybe should know more about recycling, but really only since I've come to work for Gaston County and met you wonderful folks, has it really struck me that, you know, you I feel like you only hear about the benefits of recycling as, in a global context. Um, but really, truly, the the biggest impact is right here. The impact is on our local community. It's on our airspace and, right. you know, preventing us from having to pay. I don't even want to think about how expensive it is to open a new <laughs> landfill cell. No, well, we don't want to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think about that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it is very expensive. And, but it's also, those are great things to right. know and to be thinking about because right. those resources are finite. Mm-hmm. And you start looking around, there's no major 500-acre plots of land that are just sitting undisturbed right now. And if there are, is that really what we want to use those 500 acres for? So yeah, it's I think about economic development will fight you for them. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, not that solid waste isn't an economic development initiative. I'll <laughs> mm. just go ahead and throw that in there. Yep. But, <laughs> but, yes, there are better uses for yeah. for that sort of property. So anything we can do to extend the life of the current facility, to, to keep it going as long as it can in the current parcel that it's in, that's that's definitely what we need to all be working for. Yeah. Looking ahead, I mean, what do you think, you know, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years from now, what could you potentially see as some of the next great innovations when it comes to uh, solid waste and recycling and renewable energy? I think a lot of it will play to the plastics and how we're going to recycle those and, and what plastics stay in the waste stream. Mm-hmm. Like what what can we legislate out? Mm-hmm. Um, what can we work with communities just to, to get social norms to no longer accept, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, things like that. But I, I do think it will be more of materials management instead of waste management. I, I, I do think on out, you'll see mining of landfills. I, I, hmm. I firmly believe that because, I mean, landfills have been around for quite some time. Where the rules are growing and evolving as we are as a society, but there are things that we landfilled in the 50s, lots of heavy metals, things like that, that there's probably going to become a time where it's going to be cost effective to go back and mine those back out. Interesting. So, what do you think, Dan? I, w- I would agree. I think plastic is going to be th- the the change. There's got to be a new way to handle materials. You know, I, I wrote an article a week ago about, do you remember when um, toothpaste came, and you wouldn't, toothpaste <laughs> came in a metal tube. Mm. And, um, I, you know, that comes back to kind of haunt you a little bit, but the metal tube could be recycled. That's an easy one. Um, now this plastic can't be. And you think about... I, I don't know, but shampoo. Shampoo comes in a plastic bottle. You Nobody right. wants glass in their shower. Right. But you might have a, a time when you only have plastic use in certain places. Anything that is going to be single use has got to go away. Um, and, and, you know, there are places where you can buy things in bulk. Mm-hmm. We haven't adopted that. You know, a lot of European countries, you take back that bottle and you refill it. Mm. You know, we're we're too busy, too lazy to go do that stuff. But if, if it becomes part of your everyday understanding and your everyday activity, you do it. You know, milk used to come in a glass bottle. (laughs) 
you know, all these things that, that used to be, it might be that we revert back to it to, to preserve what we have. Because at some point you're dealing with finite resources. So. Absolutely. Correct. Man, Marcy, thank you both so much for coming on the show and sharing your very cool knowledge with us. I always, these are my favorite episodes to talk with you guys. So thanks a lot. Um, yeah, we'll talk again soon. Thanks. Right. Thanks Thank for the opportunity. Much. Thank right. you. Bye-bye. The Savvy Citizen Podcast is a production of the Gaston County Communications Office. It is hosted by Janet Schaefer and Adam Gobb, and its senior field correspondent is Elizabeth McGee. Editor and producer is Joshua Braswell. Coming up next week on the program, some folks from the Cooperative Extension will be here to talk about shiitake mushrooms, what they are, and how they can benefit you.